If I'm 100% honest, I don't know why cheerleaders have to spell everything. Be aggressive. B-E aggressive. B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. What's the point? Hello, everyone, and welcome as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. Welcome to episode 44, and this week I'm joined by Michelle Turner. Michelle is going to spell for us today as she walks us through her methodology for business continuity program development. This is based on her latest book, Lessons Learned, Short Stories of Continuity and Resilience. As we work our way through the word parse, we will discuss tips if you're having trouble getting executive level support, how sometimes we need to slow down to speed up, and why it's important for you to have a personal career strategy. We'll get into my conversation and spelling with Michelle Turner after this from Ashley. Welcome to the Resilience Think Tank. I'm Ashley Guzman, and along with my co-founders, we created the Resilience Think Tank in 2021, dedicated to providing independent guidance and research to the risk and resilience industry. As founders, we're based in Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States, and have a combined experience of over 87 years of helping organizations to become resilient. We are committed to ensuring diverse voices are included in making communities and organizations more resilient. I hope you'll join us. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Start off by telling everybody who, if there's anybody left who doesn't know you, uh, okay. a little bit about your background, and then you have an exciting new chapter about to begin. I do have some things going on. Well, thanks for inviting me, Mark. Uh, let's see. So I am Michelle Turner. I have been in the industry close to 30 or so years. Uh, just recently, I was with Amazon as the head of global business resiliency. And as of June 27th, I will be with Expedia as the uh, global senior director, uh, the deputy chief continuity and resiliency officer. I don't know how this is possible, but you and I just met two weeks ago and we were both speaking at the um, ICMC conference in Rhode Island. And you based your presentation there on your new book. And uh, that's what we're going to be sort of talking about today. Lessons learned, short stories of continuity and resilience. Yes. And uh, which I have a copy of. So I'm, I was happy to read it. It's, a, it's an easy read. Uh, And in the book, you talk about parse, where each letter represents a significant phase of the BCM process. Well, before we get to parsing out parse, if you will, (laughs) yeah, I want to jump on something you say in the introduction, because I read the introductions. You say that in this career, there's a real need to uh, assist the organization in understanding threats, vulnerabilities, and risks that if realized would negatively impact the company. With that understanding, there's the ability to create plans that could assist in reducing those risks well ahead of time or well ahead of a disruption. Too often, I think, we as business continuity professionals think of plans as something that are reactionary without giving it that proactive view that you describe here in the introduction. So talk about how important it is to think about those risks and threats ahead of time. Extremely important. And reason being, you want to make sure that you are starting off with a response versus a reaction. By response, that's procedural. There are some things that you've had in place. Reaction is emotional. And we don't know what in the world can happen when when that enters in. 
And so really making sure that we can identify up front, well, what are the significant threats within my environment? And from a threat perspective, let's start taking a look at the vulnerabilities and how susceptible I am to certain things. Now I can start to talk about the risk that I would have and I can start to determine, well, how does that risk land? What are the impacts of that risk? What are the dependencies and things of that nature? But really taking a look at that information so that we can be as prepared to respond uh, as we can be. I think uh, as we look at a common theme throughout the book, you talk a lot about risk assessments. And I don't recall if there's too many references to business impact assessments, but risk assessment seems to be the, the real driving force for you. It truly is. It's, it's that way from a professional perspective, as well as a personal perspective. We have to leverage what we put in place in business uh, with our personal life as well to determine, okay, what are some of the strategies that I need to put in place for, for the various risks? And how can I mitigate my own uh, personal uh, crises or business interruptions or interruptions, as it were? Um, so yes, risk assessment is extremely important. You, you do that very well in the book. You mix in personal and professional stories. And I don't want to give too much of that away because uh, I'd, I'd like for people to go ahead and buy the book, you know, and, and read it for themselves. But <laughs> as, <laughs> I'm sure you probably would. <laughs> if it's okay with you, Michelle, let's have people buy the book. <laughs> All right, let's get into PARS then. So we'll start with the P. And there you talk about preparing the program. You talk about sponsorship and building relationships so that the program demonstrates value. That was the sentence that jumped out in me. It's not just a program to have a program, but it's one that demonstrates value. So talk about that. What do you mean by that? Well, right off the top, we've got to make sure that the value add that we promised, that we committed to uh, our leadership, we've got to make sure that we are tracking that for success. And the first thing that we need to do is make sure that we really understand, well, why do we need a program in the first blessed place? As business continuity professionals, we know why we want to have a program there to drive resiliency within the organization. But thinking from a leadership perspective, what are the key things that they would uh, really provide uh, or see value in? Uh, Example, um, competitive differentiator. There are some situations where having a business continuity program, knowing that you have it and your competitor doesn't, knowing that you can take care of your customer and maybe the competitor does not have that process in place, that's significant. That's something that leadership would care about. Uh, Ensuring that from a liability perspective, we have put everything Mm -hmm. in place in terms of due diligence to do what we need to do for the organization to cover ourselves. These are things that we want to make sure when we're preparing, we really understand why, why does anyone care about this? Because we can't just have it be a check the box. It has to be right. something that really means something to the organization and that will truly provide value. Um, a business continuity is not a project. Let's get real clear on that. It's a program. A program uh, does not have a beginning and an end, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. So. And- And it keeps on improving. And we're going to talk about improvement uh, a little bit later on as we go. Uh, The personal story in this particular chapter, you talk about some difficulties that your parents experienced. And and again, I don't want to go too far down that road, but it's, um, it's a topic that matters a lot to me. And you were talking about a lot of racial inequity and 
and bigotry that they were experiencing. And I wrote down in the blank space here, when you got to the lessons learned part on, on the professionalism, um, I, I, I wrote down, don't tell me it's difficult to find sponsors, overcome the difficulties. Give some advice maybe to some of our colleagues who say, yeah, but I, I can't get sponsors. I can't seem to find leaders who are interested in this. Maybe give some advice to them. Well, one of the big things that I find is super helpful is doing your homework, meaning go out there and have a really good understanding for X team. Why would they care? Why would they want to have a business continuity program? What has happened in the past for them that had they had something in place, they would have been able to address customer issues quicker. They would have been able to uh, not miss a significant deadline that protect, that perhaps uh, cost them a significant fee or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Really do your homework and understand where are these areas that really could have benefited. And when you find those areas, present information to those team leaders, present detail that says, you know, I've, I've read up on this area where you had some challenges. There might be a way that we could identify this alternate site uh, that maybe could be used for additional inventory or something of that nature. So we don't have to count on uh, external uh, external groups that might have been impacted by our exact, you know, the same disaster. So really making sure that you do your homework, understand where the value add would be for another area and really just drive uh, the importance of that particular piece and build the relationship. Yeah, and leverage things that have happened in the past, like you said, but not in a critical way, not like, you know, but just just show how uh, things could have been done better. Uh, Every once in a while, whether it's at a conference or in church or wherever it might be, sometimes a speaker will say something to you and it might be internal or sometimes it might even be a verbal, wow. And you had one of those moments for me when you were talking about the A in Parson, you were talking about assess and the the actual title of the chapter is slow down to speed up. The professional side of this is that we need to identify those critical needs. And here's where you talk about doing the risk assessment and you talk about addressing four specific things. And we'll get to those four specific things in a minute. But you had a health scare. And I know I said we weren't going to get too much into the personal stuff. But this, like I said, this story was a wow moment for me. You had a health scare and it slowed you down and it allowed you to kind of reset. There you go. Kind of summarize the whole thing. And and uh, we won't give too much away, but we're going to share this because it was something that was impactful for you. And it sure in the world was impactful for me. So I was running I was running a lot. I was not taking breaks. I was not taking a step back in order to speed up. And it got to the point where uh, my body just basically said, you know what, if you're not going to have the sense uh, to slow down, I'm going to slow down for you. And so um, I had had some uh, pain. I had had some pains in my chest. I had had some trouble breathing wasn't paying attention to it because my goodness, I had a C-level meeting the next day. I had stuff to do. I had my daughter's recital to go to. Bottom line, when I couldn't walk upright and I could not, I could just chain breathe, I call it sort of, by the time I got to the um, emergency room, I finally had my husband take me there. Uh, They were rushing around saying, give her morphine, give her this, give her that. I had a pulmonary embolism. 
Hmm. And not just a small one, but it was one that had traveled from my legs. Um, I had taken a long trip, had not moved. I slept the whole way. I was so tired. But the blood clots built up into my lungs. And there was only one place for them to go. And that was my brain. And I was still, I had the nerve to be arguing with the doctor saying, can you just give me a pill? And he said, you know, Ms. Turner, if you don't mind, number one, I don't know why you're still here alive. That is, but if you don't mind, if I could just save your life. Um, and I thought, well, my goodness, um, that was rude. And I will write a letter as (laughs) soon as I can catch my breath. Um, But the bottom line is I had to take a step back. You cannot do everything all at once. You really, and the analogy that I use are brakes on a car. You have brakes on a car, not to totally just lay on the brakes and not go anywhere, but it's to apply them to help you control the situation. Um, Sometimes you need to take a step back in order to truly speed up and acknowledge uh, when you need some time for yourself. And here's the thing, Mark, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so if you are used to engaging with people, you cannot provide them the assistance that you want to provide them. If you are not taking time for yourself, you're going to end up in a ditch twitching somewhere. So (laughs) you have to make sure that you're taking care of self. Now, let's quickly move that over then into the professional uh, assessment that, that we would talk about as we go through PARS. And so you talk about there's things to address like susceptibility, plot assessment, profile, and analysis. You want to just spend a minute on that? When we talk about this from a, we'll look at it from both a risk assessment as a business impact, as well as a business impact analysis perspective. I talked a little bit about the risk assessment and really understanding, well, what are the threats? What are the vulnerabilities? And how do we really plot uh, the risks in terms of high, medium, or low? A lot of that has to do with understanding the impact, understanding the uh, impact to your customer, your operations, the financial impact, all of that great stuff. But we also need to make sure that we really have a good understanding for when we're looking at critical functions, not everything can be critical, but let's take a look at all of those functions and whittle it down to the critical few. Those are the ones that we want to focus on, the ones that have a dependency, Um, on other services that we might not have even known about had we not gone through this uh, exercise. Really understanding exactly what needs to be in place and understanding when we need to be able to recover that as not to negatively impact our uh, customers or our internal internal team. So within the book, there are um, templates and different things that Mm -hmm. team members can use to create the risk profile and um, do the risk assessment and also take a look at business impact analysis to document how many people do I need at this time? And uh, ultimately, as you lead into the remediate phase, what type of strategy do I need to put in place, uh, be it local, alternate site, or maybe remote from one country to another? Now, if my spelling is right, we're at R, which stands for remediate. And you say in the book that the uh, business continuity profession is in a solid position to see the big picture of the organization. And that's one of the things I like, by the way, about what we do, because you're right, we get to see everything. We get that high level view, but we can immerse ourselves in there and, and get in there and roll our sleeves up too. And you said that that view allows us to identify what recovery solutions may meet the needs of the organization. So talk about that. Well, when you're taking a look at 
uh, your strategy. There are a variety of strategies that you can pick and choose from, but not everything is going to be applicable to your organization. So for example, if we're taking a look at a remote strategy, if Seattle is gone and I need to recover somewhere else, well, maybe I'll want to go to Bratislava or maybe I'll go to Hyderabad in India. However, do I have the resources in those places to be mm -hmm. able to manage the critical functions that I've identified? Are there going to be language um, items that I need to address? Will I have permissions that I will need to address? What are the things that I really need to consider? And the way that I look at this is uh, local. If something really quick happens at a site and you need to recover at another facility close by, how can you do that? What do you need? Um, alternate site, perhaps it's not just um, a business site. I have to go to another organization and be able to leverage their spaces. Uh, and again, level the, the third area that I speak about is really that remote strategy that I just uh, referred to. So those are a couple of things that need to be considered when you're looking at alternate strategies. It's not just about losing a facility. There are other resources that could be lost. Okay. And that's where the whole remediate strategy definition really requires someone with that holistic view of the organization, because we could be talking about uh, down systems as a result of a prolonged cyber attack or something like that. That's right. That's right. So this is both from a systems continuity as well as a business continuity perspective. So we've got to take a look at both of those and understand how these things integrate. Understand that if I have a critical business function that I know based on my review has to be up and running in two hours, but I've had a discussion with the technology team and the system that supports that will be up in eight hours. Okay, that's an issue. I've got some gaps that I need to think about and what do we need to do to close those gaps? So there's a lot to think about in that R for remediate. So most definitely. Yeah. And as you're looking at the big picture, keep in mind that you don't have to do this on your own and you shouldn't do it on your own. You should connect with other areas, uh, the security teams, the uh, intelligence teams. So really make sure enterprise risk, make sure that you understand what teams are out there that you really need to bring into the family and work together with? Well, and that's why it's a shame that there's no C in parse. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where we could fit one in there, but the whole thing for collaboration is just so important. And I don't expect business continuity professionals to be subject matter experts in all of these other areas, exactly. privacy, cyber risk, all of these other things. But you know what? I would encourage our colleagues to at least have the ability to have a conversation in these areas and to know where to go to get help, to know who that subject matter expert is. There you go. And we do talk about collaboration and connectivity and making sure that you celebrate uh, in the book, but you're spot on. Part of that prepare is making sure that you not only stand the understand the why of why this is needed, but mm -hmm. the who, who do I have to connect with in order to be successful? Yeah, that's right. So as I mentioned, you interject some personal stories in the book, and you talk about a time when you were laid off from a job. Yeah. And what jumped out at me was something you said when, uh, when you were presenting this. And you talked about the need to have a strategy for your career and how your job doesn't define who you are as a person. So wow, talk about that. Talk about that, the strategy, an intentional strategy for your career. From a career strategy perspective, number one, get really, really clear on what you want to do, not what 
you feel would be great for an organization, but what do you want to do? What makes you um, feel like, wow, I can see that I added value in X area. And for me, I know that my being able to connect with people, uh, to build relationships, to assist in putting a structure in place that will make things easier for me as well as for others is super, super important. Um, and so really building that strategy. So for example, uh, one of the ways that I align this uh, topic in the book is how I had to really acknowledge the strategy that I had for myself. Mm-hmm. I've spent so many years building strategies for organizations that when I had a situation, a reduction in force that called upon me to really figure out, well, what are you going to do next? I was a bit paralyzed. I didn't know exactly Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. And it's not that I don't know business continuity or risk management or governance or any of that. But at that time, I thought, wow, what am I supposed to do? Did I do something wrong? Um, So I really had to sit down and say, okay, wait a minute. The same knowledge that you had before you got the news that you were um, involved in this reduction in force, that's the same knowledge you have right now. Your knowledge is not dependent on an organization. That's the beauty of it. You have this knowledge that can be applied across the board. And really, that was the impetus for me really um, pulling the book together because Mm -hmm. I recognize that there are probably some things that I had aha moments on that would help others uh, as well. And so I wanted to be able to, to share my, my lessons that I've learned and maybe that would assist other, other uh, people as well. And so you know, that's responsive. yeah, and, and it's perfect. And if you think about it, what you're suggesting is that the same things we're talking about doing for the program, as we go through parse, prepare and, you know, assess and, and, and all of these things and build remediation strategies, it's the same philosophy. It's just a different subject matter. We're talking about your life, your career, and so forth. There you go. All right. So let's go to S. S is for sustain. It's when we take the documented mitigation strategies and we test them. And you say that exercises make the team stronger. A lot of times we think of exercises as something we need to do just procedurally or whatever, but talk about how a good exercise can actually make the team stronger too. Well, first of all, the exercise, you're identifying what are the roles and responsibilities that we have specifically in this scenario. Identify a scenario. That scenario has to be customized to the organization, has to be real because we don't want to go out here and talk about, uh, my goodness, the... King Kong versus this other thing. No, let's make it real to that organization. Uh, It allows for all of the teams involved and the individuals involved to really get a sense for, wow, I really would do this. And wow, I'm actually dependent on you for this. So maybe we need to have some conversations outside of being put into this situation and this exercise or test. Let's work together. Let's collaborate a little bit more. Let's get a better understanding for what this really is. So it helps in relationship development. It helps to better understand the systems and the services and um, overall your, your response to the scenario. And personally, I talk about testing, the testing that went on with during COVID um, with my father, my father um, has dementia and 
the mantra of we're all in this together just didn't land in the same way with him that it landed with every everyone else. So we had some tests that we had to go through. We sure. had to make sure that we were able to build continuity and build additional areas of collaboration, make sure that we could connect because he couldn't go out to church anymore. And mm-hmm. my father does not mess around with going to church. He will go every Sunday. So <laughs> he got our laptop and now he Zooms and, and does things of that nature. So there's a lot embedded into um, the sustained phase, both from a, a professional and a personal perspective for me. I like that. And I like the personal story there too. Now, I'd like to buy a vowel because you say you can't spell parse without the E. And so here we are. And E is examine. And it might be my favorite because I'm such a fan of continuous improvement. It's probably one of the most important phases of the program. So walk us through that. So examine. We have got to take all of what we just talked about and really make sure that it's embedded into the culture of the organization. We don't want this, as I mentioned earlier, just to be looked at as a project, which has a beginning and an end. We want to embed this in our culture, ensure that we have steps in place for continuous improvement. So can you embed some of what we're doing into the budget life cycle? Uh, When we take a look at alternate recovery strategies, how do we make sure that that takes place? Are we doing our exercises and our tests on an annual basis? And do people understand why we do it, not just to check the box, but to ensure that team members are engaged as appropriate, to ensure that um, we're able to identify some of the challenges that we would have in a safe environment, not uh, in an actual disaster. Um, How are we referring to our exercises and tests? Are we saying success or fail? Mm Because the reality is, if I'm in an exercise and I identify uh, gaps or issues, I'm doing a happy dance because I found it now. I didn't find it when we were in a disaster. So really making sure that we can um, embed those things in the culture and create that continuous process improvement. I always used to say the only test you fail is the one you don't do. Um, But I would tweak that a little bit now to say, in addition to that, any tests that you just run right through and everything was perfect, you probably didn't test, uh, you know, with enough degree of reality Uh, to make it meaningful. So I agree with you. Uh, Find things that are wrong and celebrate those things. And uh, we actually uh, had a guest on last week who talked about running safe space workshops where you can just talk to people. That's not even really a a scenario or we're not necessarily following a plan. It's just a conversation where you say, hey, so tell me what you think we're supposed to do here and give them the opportunity to say, hmm, I don't know what to do there because it's a safe space. That's also uh, a little bit of a victory. There we go. Now I've inserted a C in the middle of parse for collaboration. And I took that Liberty because you added another E to the end of it. So since we're messing with the word, talk about this bonus E education, you've got to keep learning. Yeah. I've been in the business for almost 30 years and I'm not done learning. There are other things that I can Uh, identify. There are other ways to align business continuity with security, um, ensuring that we identify, well, let's take a look at the NIST standard and how that would really crosswalk maybe with professional practices or, or other items. It's really just continuously learning because I tell you what, from a threat actor perspective, 
they are always coming up with something right. uh, bigger and better. Um, and so we really need to make sure that we are prepared uh, as the as society evolves, as situations uh, evolve. For me, I needed I went back to school. I needed to leave school early due to uh, financial reasons, but I knew that doggone it, I was going to get my degree. And uh, for my bachelor's degree, I went in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening. And when I finally got it and walked across the stage, Oprah Winfrey handed me my uh, diploma. And that was only because her assistant just happened to be graduating that same year. Right. Um, but it's, you have to keep learning. Um, you need to make sure that you are continuously reaching out to team members, collaborating with them, uh, getting their viewpoint. Uh, we are not the only ones in this. We need everybody's uh, pieces of the pie, so to speak, to really be able to see that big picture. Michelle, you're one of the reasons that doing this podcast is absolutely my favorite thing to do. I just love talking to nice people, smart people, people who have a lot to offer. You're certainly all of those things. Thanks for doing this. I'll get you out of here on this. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Michelle Turner. Uh, you can definitely just take a look. My picture's right there. I'm on Twitter as well. Might, e might even be the same picture. Uh, so please feel free. Feel free to reach out, connect with me, and um, I'll ask you questions. Even though you might have questions for me, we'll learn together. You know, you're uh, exactly what's right with the industry. Thank you for doing this. It's been truly my pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I've had a good time. Thank you, Mark. Special thanks to this week's guest, Michelle Turner. Be sure to grab a copy of her book, Lessons Learned, Short Stories of Continuity and Resilience. I also want to encourage you to connect with the Resilience Think Tank if you haven't done so already. We have some really exciting things in store. Check us out at resiliencethinktank.com. Next week, we're joined by Larry Walsh of the Hawthorne Group as we talk about managing risk in a contentious world. More and more issues are playing out in the public arena and dragging corporations into them. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey. <laughs>